This is the Young Farmers Podcast. I'm Lindsay Lusher Shoot. As you may know, in 2009, I was a co-founder of the National Young Farmers Coalition. And then I served as executive director until just a few months ago when I stepped down to start the Farm Generations Cooperative. To talk about that first decade of work organizing young farmers, I sat down with two members of our team and incredible women who have been with the coalition almost from the start, Holly Rippon Butler and Sophie Ackoff. Here's our conversation. Hi, I'm Lydia Nebel, farmer at Second Wind CSA in Gardner, New York. I've been a member of the National Young Farmers Coalition for the last two years because I like taking direct action to address exploitation within our food systems. Plus, I love the network of folks I get to learn alongside. For $35 a year, you can join too. In addition to being part of a bright and just future for agriculture in the United States, you'll also get discounts like 10% off high mowing organic seeds and 30% off of red back boots. So it pays for itself. To join, you can go to youngfarmers.org. How should we do introductions? Um, let's all introduce ourselves. Yeah. I'm Lindsay. And who, who are you guys? Tell, please tell me who you are. I'm Sophie Akoff. I'm the Vice President of Policy and Campaigns. I have had the absolute pleasure of working with Lindsay since 2012, growing our coalition into what it is today. I'm Holly Rippon Butler. I'm the Land Access Program Director at the National Young Farmers Coalition, and I have worked with Lindsay since 2014. We've just started working together. Yeah. I don't know. Makes no sense. Somebody the other day said, oh, yeah, we met last, like, a few months ago. You were just starting the coalition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Holly's been here since almost the beginning. So yeah. not exactly yeah. new. But in, <laughs> in any case. Um, so, yeah, we wanted to start at the beginning. The beginning. A very good place to start, mm-hmm. um, which is... Just sharing your farm story. Well, you guys have heard this story like so many I times. Know. And I also tell it a, to... a bajillion times a year. But I think <laughs> I want your farm story recorded for all eternity so that we have this. All right. Well, Ben started the farm in 2004. It was its second year of operation. Hardy Roots Community Farm, Brianna Davis, was... The lead farmer at the time, she got a dairy farmer, Pete Bulkley, to basically let her use half an acre of his land. He thought that Brianna was totally nuts, and but was just sort of found it amusing and sweet that they wanted to farm this land. And they started farming. So Brianna first seasoned at a half acre, then Ben came on, and they just continued to double the size of the farm every year. And eventually, I think they used maybe five acres in total of Pete's, Pete and Alice's land. Brianna moved on to start a, a gardening business, a nursery business, and then Ben take, took over ownership of the farm and, and eventually had another business partner, Miriam Latzer, Anyway, so the, so the farm continued to grow. Uh, it was doing really well. It built support in the community. Every year, they would double 
the amount of land they were using, they were also doubling the community of CSA members too. Alice had Alzheimer's um, and uh, Pete eventually passed away in his in his mid 80s. And that property, that house was built in the 1730s. It had been part of the Hudson Valley supporting a farm family for centuries. And suddenly we were seeing the end of that trajectory. We were, it was the end of that. They had four kids and they all shared ownership of the land when uh, Pete passed away and the property went up on the market for millions and millions of dollars. $2.7 million, I think, was the original price on it. That's 100 acres of land for $2.7 million. And it was just very clear that that was the end of family-scale agriculture for that property and probably many farms around it, which in fact has been the case. We went out to look for land. Everything was priced more than a million dollars. There was one property that was like 750 or something. And we, anyways, we, we lost it. We didn't get that. And we just didn't know what the future of Hardy Roots was going to be because we needed to buy land. It was just very clear that for Ben and I to be farmers for the rest of our lives, we were going to have to have land to own, a place where we could build the proper infrastructure for a vegetable farm to comply with food safety, for us to really build a life in agriculture, we needed to have that land tenure, that permanent land tenure. So eventually we did find land uh, with the help of a neighbor and CSA member who was able to work with us in a land trust to come together and make it affordable. But that's really when we started thinking deeply about organizing because we had this situation where this beautiful multi-generation farm was, in my mind, lost to an estate. And then here we were, this young farming couple and family, and at that time, two, two really bright business owners, um, Miriam and Ben, who had so much potential, and there was no path forward for us. Didn't matter how much training we had. Didn't, <laughs> didn't matter. It just was... It was completely useless if we didn't have land um, to call our own. So that's when we said there are so many young farmers like us, personal friends, other young farmers, who some of whom now also have found ways to mm-hmm. acquire land. Some are still looking. But that this like core need of a generation of farmers was not was not being um, fought for. What was the moment where you talk to other young farmers and realize that you weren't alone? Well, Ben and Severin uh, and I had a lot of these conversations. We, Severin von von Scharner Fleming was living in the, in the Hudson Valley at the time. She had, she built the organization and created the film Greenhorns. And I was farming doing a flower farm, pistol farm, but my main thing was organizing people. Mm -hmm. I was working for this organization, Transportation Alternatives, based in New York City, but I was doing all of their Albany lobbying. And we started 
to just have conversations about farming and what was missing and putting all the pieces together where there were young farmers that she had interviewed all over the country. Mm-hmm. There were farmers that we knew all over the country as friends. There were young farmers on our own operation who had then gone on. Mm-hmm. It was just, we always knew. It was just very clear that I, I can't, I can't really remember like yeah. a central, you know, like a single moment. It was just that I think for all of us, there was just a growing problem and there was a community with significant need. And I, I think what I do in that those early stages, what I do remember is just the moment of the three of us sort of sitting at this table and just sort of a, there being agreement that we have to do something. We have to do something now. And I can help with the organizing piece and the policy piece. Severin has this great network of people that she's been getting to know. Ben has this deep knowledge of farming. Like, let's let's make something happen here. Starting a national coalition takes a lot of work, and it was your passion project while starting your family and continuing to grow your farm. And, yeah, I was just wondering how creating this coalition shaped sort of the trajectory of your farm and your family and how you managed to make it all work. Yeah, it definitely has shaped. Hmm. Well, I think for one thing, because I've had I've been so busy traveling, working, we have built a farm based on really the efforts of one one person, you know, one owner operator and a lot of incredible managers and employees of the farm. So the work that I have been doing at Coalition obviously relates very closely to Hardy Roots, but it's very different work. So through the years of having Piper and Eleanor and running Young Farmers Coalition and and the farm, Ben and I, we've sort of built this very like delicate infrastructure <laughs> for how to handle all of that. And like I would have my season in the wintertime when I needed to do conferences and speaking engagements or and that's fundraising season for nonprofits. And he would do more childcare, and then we would come to June and that would that's like the, the switch date for us. We both have six months of the year. And it's actually been really great now that I am doing a little bit less Young Farmers Coalition work and it's more flexible because really he needs that time now. Like, right, obviously. <laughs> We're in April and he's super like we had a recovering from this still recovering, I think, from the trauma of last year's storm when we basically lost all of our crops in May. And this year, I think it's been really important for both of us that it's like the the focus is on him and getting the operation right. So we're really in a, in a good place again for this season. But I mean, I think the the main thing it's impacted is just like other than scheduling is sort of just this feeling of like, you know, our t- we're a team, like the, the entire family for Young Farmers Coalition. Like the girls are sort of part of it in that they like realize, you know, what we're doing to some degree and know that when the grandparents are there for a week that it's like 
mom's doing something that's important for farmers. Ben is like behind us and think always thinking helping to think about ways that policy could help their farm, could help party roots and and just you know, sort of an ear to the ground for these things. I'm curious about like your concept of meaningful work because I feel mm. like because your work for the coalition directly impacted your farm and your farm's future and also the future of all of these other young farmers in your peer group nationally, like how that impacted sort of like the sacrifices that you and your family made to make it work. Because it's not like, well, I think it's it's interesting because many of the farmers in our coalition, meaningful work is work with your body. It's with your hands. It's feeding people directly. It's that direct work in the world where you are immediately able to see the impact of what you're doing. Whereas policy work, it takes so long. Right. And there's so many things that are out of your control, which is incredibly frustrating sometimes. So I think the the meaning of the work for me is really just empowering people and giving young farmers a voice to solve some of these challenges that are so fixable. And many of them still exist. Like we've made, we've made good progress, but there is a lot yet to do. I think for me, knowing that need as a you know, a family member in a family farm and hearing from our board members who are farmers and our chapter leaders who are farmers and the farmers that we work with as members, that is enough for me. That is, is meaningful in, in my mind. So what keeps you hopeful and, um, you know, knowing that this is a long fight, what do you think, um, yeah, is is what drives you to keep doing this work? This is an easy question. It's just the people. It's it's the farmers that we work with, the young farmers, the old farmers, the middle-aged farmers, all of them. And I believe in fighting for them. How How can we help them do better and do more and put them in a position where they don't have to choose between paying off their federal student debt or farming these basic questions how do we how do we and how do we inspire more young people to do the same it's also democracy on the land too right we want small and independent farmers to do well we do better when there are more of us when we have thriving agricultural communities when there is not such intense consolidation where farmers are left powerless. And we're at this moment where this generational shift where these independent farmers are aging out. So in my mind, this is the moment where we have our best opportunity to help these people find success such that they stay in it. And we sort of hold hold back the tide to some extent. And hold down these rural places that are left. What are you most proud of in terms of Young Farmers Coalition? And that could be a broad thing like our farmers or like a specific policy change that 
was really exciting to win. Right. Well, this is a pretty boring podcast because most things I'm just going to say, like, our farmers. Yeah. It's our farmers. I love our farmers because it's true. I do love our farmers. They have power now. They've, they've got a logo. <laughs> they, they've, they have officers. They have, like, an organizing structure that and model that they can use to mobilize people to do whatever they they want and what is ever help what is that whatever is helpful for their community that is definitely what i'm most proud of that infrastructure that community that is is so much bigger now and hopefully durable too right it's not going to go away these these chapters that we have this national infrastructure that we have it's real and it is only going to continue to grow. On the policy front, I'm super proud of what's been happening at the state level over the last year. That is evidence that this model, this theory of change is working, that our that our state chapters are moving on their own. They're introducing bills. They know how to do it. And they're taking that home and, and achieving wins on mental health and on workforce development, on land access. Ohio, I just read this morning that Ohio mm-hmm. is introducing that too. And I don't know if our Ohio chapter is involved with yeah, the, begin- involved. the beginning farmer tax credit. It's it's spreading and yeah. it, it's not even, I mean, early days, it's like we knew absolutely everything that is happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we don't know probably 10% of what's happening. That's so exciting that it's just it's its own thing. It it doesn't doesn't need any one person because the community is there, the structure is there, the organization is there and will endure. So I'm I'm super proud of the state wins. And I'm also proud of the just the work we did on micro lending in the beginning. That program has reached so many farmers across the country. It is available everywhere. It is accessible to everyone. It has it is the program that I hear about from our farmers more than any other that they have used. It, it's what got them into agriculture. So that is pro- that early win for us, I think, is, is the one that sticks with me just because I know that so many people, tens of thousands of farmers now have made use of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just such a perfect example of our policymakers not knowing what they need to do unless we ask for it like Mm. until our coalition said we need a micro loan program it the chances of usda sitting around a table and saying we should have a micro lending program are just not super high and so yeah that definitely the power of just asking for what you need so where do you imagine young farmers coalition to be in 100 years someone was saying last week, I guess, that some organizations always intend to complete their mission and then they will go away. But we never intend to go away, which is great. Like there's always going to be need. There's always going to be a need for Young Farmers Coalition. We will be as strong as the Farm Bureau. We're going to be as strong as National Farmers Union because We are an organization now that is forward-looking, that is thinking about the needs of future farmers, that recognizes the incredible risk of climate change and is willing to tackle that. So 
I would hope that in 100 years, we're going to be in every state. We are probably going to have inspired other more countries to start Young Farmers Coalitions too, which has already happened in Canada, at least. There's and I think in Uganda, there's also Young Farmers mm-hmm. Coalition and Australia and, Australia and, France. and France. So uh, in 100 years, hopefully there will be more than just a Young Farmers Coalition in, in the U.S. There hopefully will be unity between those organizations internationally. And I would hope that we will really be a leading voice for progressive change. Do you have some like staff moments that stick out in your mind. I think maybe our listeners get to meet us at conferences and events where we are more or less put together, but there have been some funny moments and maybe folks would be interested to know a little behind the scenes about what it's like to just be a staff member at NYFC day to day and to get to work with the team. I mean, one that stands (laughs) out for me is when we had our first staff retreat in your playroom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with it was just Wes and Lindsay and Sophie and we used Piper's like drawing board as our note taking it was really great we accomplished crap. so much clearly yeah, Wes was really a trooper as mm. were you I mean yeah I think we've developed a culture that I am proud of and I hope stays with the organization where People, it's it's important to me that people have a life outside of Young Farmers Coalition, even though sometimes that can be really challenging. And and I know that firsthand <laughs> uh, to be able to, and I think whatever, being a parent makes that pretty complicated too. But like we've had a number of employees who have come to us with, they they have farming operations that they're managing at the same time and I've been pretty proud that we've been able to just embrace that and say that's awesome that is going to help you in this work and help us understand farming a bit better because you're on our team and it makes for some real inefficiencies Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know our director of philanthropy is gone for five months of the year (laughs) running a farm store you know, it's not the most efficient choice, but I I sometimes like making inefficient choices because I I think it breeds a certain kind of like trust and camaraderie. We have such incredible people on the team who come to the organization with so many different backgrounds and experiences and I love that they're able to bring that as part of their work at Young Farmers. So what's next? We hear you're oh. starting <clears throat> a new farmer co-op, Farm mm-hmm. Generations, and we want to hear more about that and what inspired you to start a farmer co-op. Well, yes. So Farm Generations Cooperative is an agricultural cooperative, meaning that it is owned by farmers. And it is a company that is building, presently building software for direct farm sales. In observing Ben, (laughs) Farmer Ben, my husband, so many nights, like until 
very early in the morning dealing with customer records, sometimes screaming from the basement at his computer because the existing software is so bad and buggy and difficult to work with. Seeing the growth of the CSA market sort of plateau to some degree and farmers that once were able to access that market channel as their start, it's not as accessible as it once was. So there's a lot of challenges, immediate challenges, business challenges that farmers are facing that can be solved. Actually, I mean, we, I was talking about the, <laughs> the bad things potentially that technology could bring, but immediately technology is needed and is not really being leveraged in the way that it could be to help farms operate more smoothly. I talked to a farmer yesterday Actually, Emily Oakley in in Oklahoma, she was one of the working farmers on the working group for the creation of this co-op. She was just saying, "All that matters to me right now is time. I would, I would, I will pay for anything that gives me more time." And she's also a mom, but she's also been running a farm for probably sixteen years. That's where we're at sixteen years at Hardy Roots, and I think she's there. She and Mike are around the same stage. The, the farm office, the technology that it's available does not reflect the business model whatsoever. It's it's either it does one thing or the other, but farmers are doing all this manual entry. Anyways, they're just not living in 2019 when it comes to do their office work. So what Farm Generations is doing right now, we have teamed up with these incredible programmers who happen to be local, and we have built a beta software product um, product called Grown By, and it is sales software that helps farmers. Right now, we're just doing CSA, but eventually we'll have a point of sale system that will be farmers markets, farm stands, farm stores. We'll have a module for restaurants, hopefully someday farm to school. And we want to help farmers bring it all together. We want software to streamline these systems, streamline their marketing and customer list. And then we want to help them market. We received USDA funding last year to to get started, to build the beta. We're testing it right now. We have a waiting list for farmers who want to use the software at farmgenerations.coop. And we are onboarding farmers this week and will continue to do so throughout the season and farmers can test the software, give us feedback, and we're hoping to grow from there. Young Farmers Coalition is there to deal with these structural challenges facing farmers and hopefully Farm Generations can be there to like really help farmers become more competitive. Do you have any parting words for our <laughs> young farmers out there and you know, they'll be hearing from you into the future, but any advice for the season ahead of us? I mean, just stick with it and tell Young Farmers Coalition what you need and remember what's wrong. Remember when there's obstacles getting in your way that actually some government bureaucrat or some politician or elected official or somebody working at USDA can can solve because Young Farmers can actually help in real ways. We can. There is actually a bridge for you, which is Young Farmers Coalition, to get in there and and fight for what you need. But I think for Young Farmers Coalition, 
like I'm going to say the next season is the next 10 years, whomever takes the reins, whoever takes the lead, we have so much work to do and we need to continue to look towards growth and building more chapters in more states. We need to ensure that the coalition is able to get closer and closer to its mission of ensuring a bright and just future for young farmers in the United States by bringing that work to all parts of the country. The, the advice is really just like keep the door open, stay relevant to young people in agriculture, and don't be afraid to fight for what we need. Because there's going to be a lot of people who will say that that is unrealistic. You don't know what you're talking about. There's a lot of gatekeepers in agriculture, whether that's <laughs> you know, a farmer who is multi-generational, who, is, who has been doing it for a very long time, or a government official, or an interstate rep. There's a lot of people who just say, or even your neighbor, just <laughs> tell you you're crazy. And we need some crazy ideas. We need big change, right? And we need people who are willing to stand up and fight for that and get behind it and and build a movement for change. So believe in yourself, believe in your stories, believe in what needs to happen for agriculture. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, I was at our congressman's agriculture advisory committee meeting, um, Congressman Delgado, and we were talking about land access, bringing that issue up, me and, and four farmer members of the committee. And we were talking about land and an older person in the room said, actually, land access isn't an issue in our district because there are so many landowners who are excited about renting to young farmers. And luckily, we had a farmer in the room who was very well versed mm -hmm. on the issue, like understood it very deeply as it related to her farm and had the confidence to say, actually, that's not how it works on the ground. So yeah, th there are always going to be people who are going to say that our issues don't matter and we need to have our coalition have those strong responses at the ready. And just to believe in young people in agriculture. I mean, that's yeah. that's like a, a problem, too. Some people just say agriculture is from the past. It is not of the past. It is of the future. And if it's not, then like we all have a major problem mm -hmm. on our hands. So I think fighting for bold change you know, being the leader that is necessary, being in that room and having mm -hmm. a more experienced person yeah. say that you're wrong. That's happened how many times? Yeah. I mean, all of us, right? Like how many times have we been told we were wrong and still kept going? Yeah, yeah. And if it does happen, you might be onto something, right? I mean, obviously mm -hmm. we want to listen because people have perspectives that we need to incorporate. Yeah. But, but if we're not in the room, then that's the end of the conversation. But if that's we're not in the room, yeah. member of Congress or whoever it is, that's what they hear only. But it's also just important to, for people to believe that agriculture is a career worth pursuing, mm -hmm. inspiring others to just see the potential of agriculture as healing and nurturing and so vital to our culture and society. That is also the duty of Young Farmers Coalition. Anyway, just to say this, I am so grateful for you two and for all the 
people on our staff who have made this their passion too. It's not just me. Yes, I am passionate and I believe in this, but it's not just because of me whatsoever. It's because a lot of people believe in this and a lot of people were willing to not be paid very well (laughs) or at all at the beginning and dedicate their professional lives years and years um, and now a decade of time to building this organization that still has huge growth potential and a lot of work to do. But I am so appreciative of you two and all the work that you've done and also just be for being great friends and wonderful people to work with. Mm. Yeah, it has been an absolute privilege and joy to do this work with all of you and with this team and um, with you, Lindsay. So thanks. All right, that's it, guys. Holly and Sophie, thank you so much for coming into the studio and for your tireless work to support young farmers across the country. I also really want to thank everyone who's been part of the last 10 years of this work. Our farmers, our members, chapter leaders, board, staff, funders. I hope you are so proud of what we've done together and are ready to keep working. One of the things that we didn't get to in this conversation that I am so proud of is our work to make young farmers a truly inclusive community. The coalition looks a lot different than it did in the beginning. And this was a learning curve. We needed to learn to hear, to see and articulate the needs of so many young people who come to farming from so many different starting places. Farmers who face racial or gender discrimination, farmers who come from privilege and farmers who don't, farmers growing organic, farmers growing conventionally, farmers from every state in the nation. We are a community that is willing and ready to listen and stand up for one another. And we've worked to get there. We've worked really hard. And if you're not part of it yet, I hope you will find your place in the Young Farmers Movement. Young Farmers Coalition is only as strong as our members, and we need your voice to carry us forward. There are a lot of practical reasons to join Young Farmers. But I hope that the reason most of our members join is because they want to be heard. They want to be part of this movement and they want to help fight for the future of food and agriculture. Joining is easy. Just go to youngfarmers.org. After this episode, we're going to take a little break. We're going to be resharing some of our favorite episodes from this run over the break. So stay subscribed and follow us at Young Farmers Podcast on Instagram. And, you know, if you really want us back, you should also rate, review, and tell a friend about the Young Farmers Podcast. This episode was produced by Jessica Manley, edited by Hannah Beal, and recorded at the studios of Radio Kingston. We'll talk to you soon.